Welcome to episode number seven of the Low Angst Library podcast. Today, we have an interview with Isla Olson. I'm your resident librarian, Lee Blair. This library is your stop for all things light, fluffy, funny, sweet, spicy, and everything in between. I not only publish low angst queer romances, but I'm a voracious reader of them too. I created this podcast because I wanted to talk to other authors who write romances with main characters on the LGBTQIA2S plus spectrum so that I could learn what draws into the lighter side of angst, learn more about their books and their writing processes. I'm excited to share my interview with Isla Olson. We talked about going from writing young adult fantasy to adult romance, juggling large casts of characters, and writing out of order. USA Today bestseller Isla Olson is a romance writer alter ego of a YA fantasy author. She first discovered her love of romantic comedies when, after spending all of her work time lost in epic fantasy worlds, she decided she needed something light and fluffy to read in her downtime. She quickly became addicted to authors like Lauren Blakely, Tara Sivik, Rachel Van Dyken, and then one day she discovered M.M., and there was no going back after that. Isla lives in Melbourne, Australia, with her giant bed-hogging Rhodesian Ridgeback. She's a major sports fan. Yes, rugby is way better than American football. A chocoholic, loves Chinese food, and is a firm believer that the best music was created way before she was born. Now, before we jump into this fabulous interview with Isla, I want to share a note about timing. This interview was recorded about five months ago, and due to a long string of tech issues and just long tech support times, I've been really delayed in getting these episodes finished. So when we start talking about Isla's upcoming projects, know that the timing is a bit off. So I've recorded a brief update at the end to share a bit about what's going on with her books now as of March 2023. All right, on to the interview. Isla Olson, thank you so much for hanging out with me in the Low Angst Library. I'm thrilled you're here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I love just starting off with asking guests, what got you into writing books and romance specifically? It's always so fun to listen to the different stories of how people got into being an author. This is kind of a long-winded But I originally started writing young adult fantasy. That I kind of got into, well, I mean, I've always been a a fan of fantasy books, um, particularly young adult. Just I find young adult to be a lot more fast paced than adult fantasy and exciting and all, all of that. But I got into initially writing books because I've always been good at writing. I've always been interested in that side of thing, but I never really knew what sort of writing I wanted to do. And then I was doing a uni course that happened to have a creative writing element and I was really good at it. And I thought, hey, why don't I give this a go? But it's sort of one of those things where like, you know, who just decides they're going to write a book? Like it's so unrealistic. At least that was what my thoughts at the time. But I just decided to go for it and I ended up writing a few young adult fantasy books. But it was during... My second book, I was writing a series at the time. I was really struggling with motivation and not so much writer's book, but it was just like procrastination and, you know, where is the story going? And I decided to just 
switch things up. At that at that point, I was reading a lot of romance because I found I was spending so much of my time in these make-believe fantasy worlds that in my spare time, I just wanted to chill out with something fluffy and light and funny and particularly something that wasn't going to get me hooked in for five book series, you know, like that was just going to take one night to read. That's why I really liked reading rom-coms. I, yeah, because I was sort of struggling with my fantasy books. I just, as a purely writing exercise, I started to write these like romance scenes, just having a play around with some of the kind of things that I was reading about. And I realized I was good at it and I really enjoyed writing it. So for a little while, I toyed with the idea of like trying to do both. I should probably say that my young adult fantasy was not selling well. So that also was something that tempted me into the romance genre because I thought that it might be a bigger seller. Also, at that point in time as well, I was starting to read a lot more MM. And I was really interested in that. And obviously, again, I knew that that was such a big market to be a part of. And that's kind of how I got into writing it. It was purely like I originally started it as an experiment just to see how it would go. And then it just took off. I would love to get back to my fantasy at some point because I have a a series that has been left hanging. But at this stage, my romance is just way too profitable for me to give up on that at at any point. So that's sort of how it happens. I love that. That's such a change and a difference. We're like two extremes almost that you're finding balance (laughs) with young and then adult, (laughs) spicy, and then fantasy and contemporary romance. Yeah, It was definitely a bit of a surprise when I started telling my friends and family that I'm like, I was like, oh, you know, so I'm writing romance. It's, it's gay romance and it's very <laughs> sexy. Um, it was definitely, yeah, a little bit of a shock. But once they saw that I was doing so well and so like that, it, it was, yeah, and I was just really enjoying it. I mean, they were supportive to begin with anyway, but they really, really got on board once they saw that I was actually supporting myself with my writing finally, because I had been struggling for quite a while. That's amazing. And so it sounds like you were needing something lighter for reading. And so is that what drew you to writing, like to the writing side of low angst that you had started reading lighter romances or what led you to specifically decide to write on the low angst side? Yeah, definitely. I was reading. I mean, I started out reading very low angst rom-com MF books. To be honest, I didn't actually get into romance at all until very recently in terms of where I am in my stage of life. Like I probably would have been my late 20s, like I'm currently 35. So definitely up until that point, I was all into young adult, whether it be fantasy, sci-fi, even young adult romance, that sort of stuff. And I still do quite enjoy those sorts of books. But I just didn't really, probably if I was going to read a romance, it would be paranormal fantasy kind of stuff. I always sort of didn't see the appeal of, this is so weird, but I didn't see the appeal of contemporary romance. I found it kind of boring. But then I got into rom-coms and they were just so funny and so entertaining (laughs) and exactly what I needed. And so it was authors like Tara Civic, Lauren Blakely, 
Rachel Van Dyken, like those sorts of authors that I could just read a book and laugh nonstop reading those books that really got me into rom-coms in general. And then I think the first MM book that I read was Him by Al Kennedy and Serena Bowen. And I just really loved the fact that it was like it was MM. I hadn't even, I don't know why, but I hadn't really considered reading MM before that, but it was just still, it had that exact same element of like, just, you know, the the low angst rom-com. And I thought, you know what, this would be so fun to write something like this. From then on, I just kept reading so much of, of still both MF and MM, but predominantly MM from that point. And when I started writing, I just thought, you know, I just want to write books that make me laugh and make other people laugh. I want to have fun when I'm writing. And so that's sort of what I did. Well, I'm so glad that you did because I adore your books. <laughs> so thank goodness you came to that realization. Good. And I'm curious. So this is something that I ask everyone I've talked to and I find that everyone has a very different answer. So what does low angst mean to you? Well, my books have like low to no angst in them. (laughs) A lot of them have very, very little conflict. And that's something that I sort of learned over time, like after my first few books. I think it was my fifth book that I probably shouldn't say what, the book title is because I don't want to give away spoilers to anyone who hasn't read it. But I got to the end of where the dark moment is supposed to happen. They're supposed to break up and everything. And and I'm like, I don't want them to. I want them to like resolve this quickly and just move <laughs> on. And so that's what I did. And sometimes it does like a, a book does need to have a little dark moment or like they need to break up or whatever because that's what those characters need. But I don't shy away from just having things sort themselves out really quickly because I've learned that romance doesn't need to be that formulaic. I think in terms of what low angst means, like, yeah, it's a bit hard to answer because I know there are definitely a lot of other books that I really love. Say, for instance, like Lucy Lennox, for example, one of my absolute favorites. I think clearly one of most people's favorites. She's got some absolutely hilarious books, but often she's got a little bit of angst in there as well, but it's not super high. Like it it would be considered low, but compared to my books, probably is a bit on the higher scales. So it really does depend on what your kind of threshold is. But yeah, I honestly, I think it's, yeah, like I said, it's a hard question to answer. Like what, what does it mean to me? I guess something that's just going to make you smile the whole way through. It's true, though. It's really difficult to define. It it feels like it's similar to spice. People have very different definitions of what is steamy versus not steamy. And it feels like we all, our emotions hit us differently. So what makes us feel those deep emotions from angst? I think it makes sense that that would be a different definition for everyone because I don't know. Like, yeah, I I sort of say like I, I do have a couple of books that are a little more angsty, but one of them can't get you out of my bed. I remember when I was 
promoting that like before it actually released. I'm like, okay, so it's a bit angsty. It's kind of like CW angst. It's not HBO angst. <laughs> That's how I pitched it to my readers. It's definitely like on a low level, but I'm sure there are other people out there who would think CW has super high angst. But <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's such a good way to think about it. <laughs> So you talked about reading a variety. You talked about fantasy and loving YA books and reading male-female and male-male. Do you read while you're writing or are you an author who has to have those completely separate when you're in drafting mode? You can't be reading. Yeah, I don't read as much as I would like to, particularly compared to before I started writing, just because I I get so addicted. (laughs) And I end up binging or start being like, oh, I'll just read a few chapters and then <laughs> I just binge and next thing I know, a whole week has gone. So yeah, I tend to save up that if I've got books that I want to read, I'll save it up for if I've got a weekend off or if I've got a holiday obviously coming up when I'm going to America for GRL. So on the long haul flight, I'll definitely be getting some books ticked off my TBR. But yeah, I don't read as much while I'm actually drafting because it does tend to interrupt just because I just don't have that self-restraint. It stops me from, if I start a book (laughs) at night, I'll either keep reading it the entire night and then I'm wrecked for the next day or I'll put it down and then the next morning I'll be like, I'll just, you know, I'll read or listen to a little bit during breakfast and then the next thing I know it's lunchtime. So it's just... Yeah, I just don't have that kind of self-control. It's very similar for me too. I I do read a lot when I'm writing, but it's more I tell myself like, oh, I'm just trying to soak in the vibes and the energy to just keep me inspired. But when realistically, late at night, I'm like, oh, just a couple more chapters. And then it's like, okay, don't go to bed. But then I'll wake up. I'm like, okay, it's time to get up and work out or do chores before the day job. And then, nope, I end up reading until I need to clock in at the day job. Yeah. (laughs) I do find though, if I've got a really good audio book, that tends to be when like at the most worked on around the house because I'll be like, <laughs> oh, at least I'm doing something useful. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> that is such a good point. <laughs> do you have any low angst book recommendations that you've read? Well, I recently actually uh, just, was it was either last weekend or the weekend before, I can't remember. It's sort of a bit blurry now. But I read the Magic in Manhattan series by Ali Theron, I think her name is pronounced. That was really good. I really liked that. And the sequel, Proper Scoundrels, was even better. And now I need to wait for the next book in that series. (laughs) But yeah, it's like a historical, it's set in the 1920s. So it's like a fantasy kind of romancing right up my alley. Really, really enjoyed that. It was just a lot of fun. Oh, great recommendation. Thank you. Nice. So moving into talking about your writing and books, I would love to know a bit more about what your writing process is like. My writing process is all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of write books out of order. I'm a bit of a planter, so I'll try to plot my books out a little bit. Like I'll do a, a bit of a structure of, say, you know, I'll write out all the chapters, list them out in number order, whatever, and then I'll try to fill in what's going to be in that chapter. And obviously things change as the writing process goes on. 
but then I'll start at like chapter 16 or chapter 11 or something like that. Like I rarely, I just write what feels like a good thing to write at the time. Because if I wanted to write from chapter one, chapter two, chapter et cetera, in order, I'd get just completely stuck. Like I just, I need to write whatever I'm just feeling in the mood to write at that time. Um, so yeah, it really is a bit of a mess for a while. <laughs> and then I go back and fill everything in and everything, stuff like that. But in terms of my day-to-day process, I'm really trying to get into a much better habit of writing fixed amount of words every day, just writing for a set amount of time, because obviously that's a much more healthy thing to do. It keeps you more productive. It keeps you more in tune with the story. But it's a struggle to do that because you get distracted by other things. And then obviously, if you don't write one day, you want to make up for it the next day and things like that. So yeah, it's a bit of a work in progress at the moment to try and get into that proper routine. But yeah, we'll see how we go. Hopefully (laughs) by the new year, I'm hoping to be really into a good routine. Nice. I hope that works. It's always nice when it feels like it's settling and you're working as you want to be working. Yes, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Where do you get your ideas and your inspiration from for your books? A lot of people ask me that and I'm like, I don't know. No, often I just chuck a few tropes together and then just sort of see where the story takes me. Sometimes I get inspired by titles, like I'll come up with a title and that will help me to come up with the plot of the book. This sort of first happened with Say It Till You Make Out. I was doing a lot of research about the genre and everything like that and I came across this article about how popular fake relationships are, or the fake relationship trait was. That article was written, I think, back in 2018 or something like that. And obviously it is still so popular, that particular trait. The title of the article was Fake It Till You Make Out. And I was like, that is such a good title. <laughs> I, I needed to take that. And I was shocked that it, there was no other book with that title. I was absolutely shocked. I did a search on Amazon and I was like, okay, I need to write this book before someone else thinks this title. <laughs> so that's how that book sort of came around because I just loved that title so much. And often that kind of happens. Like I'll, I'll think of a title and I build the tropes around that. It happened with the Good Life series because all the titles are needed to fit around the names of the characters. So some of them I came up with after I'd started doing the story but some of them would definitely I'd come up with the character name come up with a a title that sort of went with the character name or whatever that's why they've got such weird names in that series (laughs) (laughs) because I was coming up with titles that went with their names and worked out tropes around that but yeah that's sort of how I did that you get inspiration from a lot of different places like character inspiration you get maybe from a book or a TV show or something you might be like, oh, I'd like to write a character who's kind of like that, but does this or or something like that. Or I'd like to write a story like this, but, you know, done this way or whatever. But a lot of the time, if you pile a bunch of tropes together and then sort of put your own spin on it, you've got a really good story. That's a great point. And it seems like you are very trope-led in some of your ideas. Do you have any favorite tropes to read or write? 
Probably one of my favorites is definitely Friends to Lovers. I really love that one because it's just, it's really sweet and it gives you so much room for a lot of banter and yeah. And I've done it a few different ways. I've done it, obviously, Fake It To We Make Out had the fake boyfriend trope as well. And it had the by awakening and with that one, neither of them really knew how they felt about each other until they started fake dating. So it was a little bit different um, compared to like, say, for instance, I had a holiday novella, The Ghost of Crush's Past, which is not a huge seller, but it's, you know, still out there. That one has a character who's been in love with his best friend forever. And so it's, you know, <laughs> been able to do that a bit differently. And then, of course, Hopeless Romantics, which is two straight guys that are best friends. So you can really like just mix it up with a lot of different ways to do it. And Rule of Law is another one that's friends to lovers. But again, another by awakening and one of the friends is a complete commitment phobe and then it's in a small town and stuff. So yeah, I like taking the same trope, but just adding different elements to it to make it a completely different story. That's so fun. I love that as a reader too, where you know you like how an author handles a trope, but you get the variety of it appearing in different ways. I think that's a really fun reader experience. Like, I know I'm going to love how this author does fake relationships or does best friends to lovers, but being able to explore those really differently is great. Yeah. So do you have a favorite book or character that you've written? Probably my favorite, and it's not really a secret. <laughs> I've been pretty fickle about it. Probably my favorite is Hopeless Romantics. And my favorite character is Brendan. Um, <laughs> but I do have a huge, huge soft spot for PSA Lady, which just came out this year. That was a lot of fun to write. And it got me out of a bit of a slump that I'd been having. Like I went for close to eight months without releasing a book. And then finally PSA Lady got me like really, really excited about writing again. So that obviously I really love that. But um. Yeah, no, if I have a favorite, like one that I've sort of, it, it sounds like really narcissistic to say that we've read your books over and over, but um, Hopeless Romantics, I've read that again and again a lot. Whereas I don't, <laughs> and I really read my books that, I mean, I read them after they're done, obviously, to check them over and everything. And then I'll generally go back to them again before the audio gets produced, just to make sure that everything's correct and if I need to change something or fix up a typo or whatever just to make sure the audio is all in order but after that yeah I think there's been a couple of books that I've listened to the audio just because for instance I love Michael Dean's audio I love Kale Williams audio so I've listened to a couple of their books but yeah usually I'm like I have limited reading time I'd rather be and reading other people's books. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but Hopeless Romantics is one that I just really, really love. I, oh, yeah. Such a good book. <laughs> <laughs> love it. <laughs> also, you talked about P.S. I Loathe You. I love that one too. And then you very recently had another standalone out. So The Best Man Ran Away with the Groom. So you've had a couple standalones out this year. And so you mentioned that P.S. I Loathe You kind of came out because it was to pull you out of a bit of a writing funk with the best man went ran away from the groom 
I ran away with the groom, not from. <laughs> uh, <laughs> those are two very different stories. <laughs> with, with that, was that sort of like you needed a bit of a palate cleanser because you've been doing so much with series or was that like a plot bunny that you just wanted to run with? It was definitely a bit of a plot bunny and it was also, so the next book up in all of my series is going to be Sex, Tries and Videotape, which is Finn's book, the next Love and Luck book, which has been due out for like two years. <laughs> so it is finally going to come out. And one of the reasons why that's been delayed so long is, it, first of all, it's needed a major rewrite. So I basically scrapped an entire book of that one earlier this year, which is one of the reasons why it was so long between books. Like that was just absolutely an absolutely devastating experience having to scrap an entire book. But yeah. it didn't, it, it just didn't work. I was trying to do something that just like I was, I was forcing my characters into something that just didn't work for them. So that was a real shame. And unfortunately, I just kept going with it. I should have stopped. Once I realized, you know, I realized like halfway through that it wasn't working, but I'm like, no, I need to do it. I need to get the book out. <laughs> now that, of course, I've learned from my lesson, I know if ever a book isn't working, just let it go. It's better to just scrap it and just not, not keep going. So that obviously needs to come out. And that one is an MS book with a transgender female lead character. Um, which I'm really, really excited about. And I know a lot of my readers are excited about, but realistically, it's not as marketable as an MM book. And it, unfortunately, that's just a fact. So I didn't want to launch, after such a long break, I didn't want to launch my sort of comeback, I guess you could call it, mm. with a book that wasn't going to be like hugely marketable. Sorry, that's why I chose. PSI Lothi, as well as the fact that really, like, I was hugely into writing that. It was just such a, you know, I guess you could say it's like a labor of love. Like, I just really, really was excited about writing that. But also, it was such a tropey book with so many popular, like, enemies to lovers, uh, online romance kind of thing. Like, it was just a book that I knew that people would really love. And it had all this banter in it. It was just, like, I knew halfway through writing it that I didn't realize it was going to be as big as what it was, but I knew that it would sell well at least. So it was bankable. You can sort of, as an author, you can tell when a book is going to be at least bankable. Definitely was not expecting the success that I had, but very, very glad for it. And then the other thing, like after PSI Lothi, I had this other kind of moment where I was like, oh my God, this book is such, such a hit. I'm not sure that I can now release a book that is not bankable, um, if that makes <laughs> sense. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why um, I went with And the Best Men Run Away with the Green. Sort of, I knew that with that one, like, I knew that it wasn't, <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous <laughs> because it's like, why would you release a book that you? that you don't think is going to be a hit. But I knew it wasn't going to be such a runaway success as PSI Loathe You. I thought it was going to be like, I mean, it's been successful. Like it's had a lot of readers. It's been probably around the same level of success as my Good Life series, which is quite good. But PSI Loathe You is up there with Love and Mark, as, which is, you know, basically huge with me. 
And that's sort of what I wanted. I sort of wanted readers to kind of, you know, they had this really huge high. I kind of wanted them to come down just a little bit so that when Sex Tries and Videotape comes out, I just want to kind of manage expectations a little bit. I'm probably overthinking things a, a bit, but I just, I, yeah, I, I just have this fear and I actually discussed it with a trans woman who's going to be my sensitivity reader and she agreed with me that that was a good choice. So, yeah, I think it's just one of those things where I really, really hope that Sectors and Videotape is a huge runaway success. It would be so amazing if it is, but I also know that it's a bit risky. So, I, yeah, just... <laughs> just want to, what I want to manage it well. That's sort of why I've done these two um, kind of different books. But as it's turned out, they're probably not going to end up being standalones anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm already got a sequel planned for And the Best Men Run Away with a Groom. And I do have an idea up my sleeve for a potential sequel to PSA Lothie, but they'll both be next year. Oh, that's exciting. And the way you were kind of setting up the secondary characters and and the best man ran, ran away with the groom. I love that. I was just hoping as a reader, like, oh, please, please, like the box. <laughs> so there's kind of that that moment as yeah. a reader that was just hoping maybe this will be a complete standalone. <laughs> yeah, I intended it to be a standalone, but then the more I was writing about Alistair's character, I'm like, no, he needs a book. <laughs> Definitely needs a book. And I want Jack to have a bit of redemption as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> You set it up so well at the, by the end. I was like, is there, where's the pre-order button? I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After some, my experience with the mess up with and the best man runner where with the group, I don't think I'll be doing pre-orders for a while. Oh, I'll, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But uh, next year, I'll definitely, um, definitely have a few books out. Next year. I've got a lot on the schedule. <laughs> That's exciting, though. And so with this, so you build these secondary characters. Like for me as a reader, when I was reading that book and getting to the end, I was ready for a book, by, you know, the them to be the primary characters. And I think that you're a master at creating cast of characters and series with offshoot series from those worlds, like with the Kelly family. And you've had, so the primary Love and Luck series and your offshoot series with Suits and Sevens and the Royal and Reckless series. And what I love about the Kelly series or the Kelly family is they feel so larger than life in the stories, but not only the primary characters, but the secondary characters in the family who don't get their own books, but then those secondary characters who you then use to kind of offshoot these secondary series. So, and the same with the Good Life series, all the secondary characters are super vivid. And I'm curious, what drew you to create a big cast like that? Is it something where you set out with love and luck to say, you know, I'm going to build this huge family and have a huge series? Or did it just sort of happen organically? Um, well, it did sort of happen a bit organically Originally, so the character of Jake, Shay's cousin, who he's now the guardian of, he was originally going to, like, he was the central character that was going to have his book. Um, because obviously I was writing young adult at the time. I was going to write a young adult gay romance and it was going to center around Jake. And I sort of thought, wouldn't it be cool if he came from like this, you know, not great family situation and came into this 
fun family that was all really accepting. And it wasn't going to have so many queer brothers or anything, but <laughs> I was going to have, like, I wanted him to kind of go to, yeah, like, I don't want to say too much because he is going to get a book at some point. So I don't want to say too much about that. But yeah, I just sort of thought that would be really cool. But then because I ultimately decided to do a different pen name, I decided to go with the adult series rather than the young adult. And so I twisted everything around and did the focus more on the family and then decided to have Jake come in as a secondary character and he will get his own series, have a three book, like a trilogy planned for him at some point. <laughs> I was originally hoping this year that I was sort of thinking maybe next year, but to be honest, I just need to be realistic. The days of me, like my 2020, where I got 10 books done in one year, are gone. So <laughs> I need to be realistic about how many books I can actually write a year. So we'll just see. But yeah, eventually he will get his series. And yeah, so that's sort of how that came about. And originally, like they definitely were not all going to be queer i think that's one of the reasons why i love brennan so much because he was kind of straight originally <laughs> and then i was writing i was actually in the middle of writing shay's book which is the third one and i just had this idea to have two straight guys get together and i decided to make it brennan's book and i thought okay well i'll add that to this series later like i'll do it at the end and then i'm like no i really i'm really excited i'll do it now <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of wrote like half of Brennan's book while I was still running Shay's book and see. Yeah. <laughs> well, that worked out perfect. Yeah. <laughs> the Love and Luck series is one of my all-time favorites. And there's something that you did in that that really stuck out to me as a reader of how you had some of the timelines between the books overlapping, which as an author, I can't even wrap my head around trying to do that with my writing process. But I remember, I can't remember which book it was, but I remember that in one of the books, there was a, a party at the bar and there was this a moment where the main character, it was Shay's book maybe, in the background, there was something happening on stage that you, in that book, you get a reference to it. And then in the next book, it's happening live. Like those two books are overlapping. And I just really love that. So how do you make that happen? Do you plot everything out? Or when you get to a new book, do you just kind of try to backfill and get them to link up? I plot out a little bit. The Love and Luck book, I definitely, Love and Luck books rather, I definitely sort of plot it out a bit like more over, and that's probably why I was able to get so many of them done in a short space of time. There's still a bit of like there are a few books where there's a bit of inconsistency <laughs> and I've had to go back and be like oh wait a minute um, let's <laughs> but and definitely one of the reasons why I wanted to cut like I was so determined to stick with Finn's book the way that I had originally planned is because I had set it up in the previous book and I didn't <laughs> want to change it but I just had to in the end I was just like no I need to change this so yeah there's definitely some like glaring inconsistencies with that story but yeah I think probably I knew that Virtually Screwed and Crazy Little Fling in particular happened at pretty much the same time so I definitely did a lot of planning of crazy little thing to make sure that everything sort of fit in 
But I think as well, I tend to go back to the previous book and be like, okay, where can I put little things in? And probably the other thing that I had to be aware of was I did a lot of foreshadowing for Aiden's book in the two books prior. So I think there was a little bit in Brennan's book and a little bit in Connor's book. And so I had to be aware of that. And then some things happen in it. So yeah, I guess sometimes I'll get to writing the main book and I'll be like, oh God, why did I do this? <laughs> because I'm like, oh God, I need to make this work. I've set this up now. I need to make it work. And that actually, it was an issue in Three's a Crown because I had set so much of that book up in The King and Dry. And then I got to writing Three's a Crown. And that was another one where initially I got halfway through and was like, this isn't working. I need to rethink this and, and go back. And even the final products, like I'm happy with it, but I know that it could have been better if I wasn't constrained by what I had set up in the previous book. So I definitely regret regret that. <laughs> I had really boxed myself in quite a lot with what I had set up in the previous book. So yeah, sometimes it works out really well. Sometimes it's like, uh, can be a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it feels so tough to plan. My series is sort of ending up a little bit like that, especially the epilogues or after the previous book is happening and try to do that. And as I try to set it up, it keeps feeling like what you just said and boxing myself in a corner because past me was trying to be clever and set something up in the next book. But that future me, when that comes, is like, oh, what did you do? Why, did you, yeah. why didn't you do it this way? And I wish I could like hold all of the books and be the type of person so that I could then go through the whole series before publishing and try to fix those inconsistencies, yeah. but I can't. I can't do it. Well, I know that I'm going to have a lot of issues with Kate's book. Like that's going to take a while because it's basically like for her book, I'm basically going to be going back to the start of the series <laughs> and, and writing like the whole and there's been some hints about her story because like originally she wasn't going to have a book either and then she was going to have a when I decided to give her a book it was going to be an MF book and now she's having an MMF book which because I had this brainwave and I was like oh god why did I give her like because I've, I've hinted at like these things about her and her neighbor and everything and I'm like why why did I do that I should have <laughs> I should have just let that go. Like I should have just, you know, hinted about like that she hated the neighbor, but not like that she was together with him because that was just stupid. I should have waited and have her story start like after Finn's finished. But no, I now have to go back and like put all this stuff in. It's, yeah, so that's going to be a bit of an effort. <laughs> oh, but we keep coming back because it's so fun to create the books. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Despite the stresses. <laughs> so you've talked a bit about upcoming projects but what can readers get excited about for upcoming projects from you definitely sex tries and videotape that's my biggest priority that will be out probably december i would have loved to get it out earlier but i'm away for a month now for my trip to the u.s because going from australia you don't just go to the u.s for five days <laughs> <laughs> you, make, you make a trip. So I'll, yeah, obviously I'm going to GRL and I'm turning that into a bit of a holiday as well. But yeah, that's probably going to be my last book of the year. I may possibly get a holiday novella out 
I don't know. It'll just sort of depend. I'm not putting any pressure on myself to do that, but if it happens, it happens. After that, the next Suits and Sevens book is definitely high priority. So that will be Deacon's book. I'm really excited about that. I've done a lot of plotting out for that, but haven't actually written much for it. So hoping to get started on that as soon as I'm finished with Sex Tries and Videotape. And also, like I mentioned before, there'll be a sequel to And the Best Men Ran Away with the Grim. And there's going to be another Wes and Devon book. So, yeah, that'll be next year at some point. Oh, so much good stuff to look forward to. 2023 is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, should be should be pretty good. Can you sum up for me what people can expect from an Isla Olsen story? A lot of laughs, a lot of steam, very little conflict, some crazy shenanigans and people just falling in love with each other. And yeah, basically it. my tagline is, uh, I think it's like low angst, high heat, queer romantic comedy. I love that. That's a great tagline. What's the best way for readers to get in touch with you and learn more about your stories? Um, probably. So my Facebook group is insanely Isla Isla Olson's Isla Olson's readers. Be good if I could say my own name. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can also join my newsletter as well. There's a link to my newsletter at the back of every book. There's also a link on my Amazon page and on my website. My website is www.islaolson.com. Those are definitely the best way to stay in touch. All of my information is on my website. So definitely go and check that out. Fabulous. And I'll put links in the show notes. Thank you so much for talking with me today. It was great to get to know you in your books. Thank you. It was great to be here. I had so much fun chatting with Isla. She also flew a very long distance to attend the Gay Romance Lit Retreat in October. And it was amazing to meet her. I am so glad that she came. As I mentioned earlier, I want to give an update on Isla's book since some of the info in the interview is a bit outdated. Since we talked, she's released both Sex Tries and Videotape and Text Me Up, which are books eight and nine in the Love and Luck series. I've got a link to her Amazon page in the show notes. Thanks for joining me in the Low Angst Library. I hope you enjoyed this interview. Is there an author of Low Angst Queer Romance that you'd like me to interview? There's a link in the show notes and on lowangstlibrary.com with a guest suggestion form. If you're an author writing Low Angst Queer Romance, there's a self-suggestion form in the show notes and on the website as well. A major goal of mine with this podcast is to have guests writing main characters in romance novels who represent identities all over the LGBTQIA2S plus spectrum. And your suggestions will help me with that. If you'd like to financially support the podcast to help offset the costs of hosting, editing software, and transcription for accessibility, you can buy me a coffee. The link is in the show notes. Other ways you can support the podcast are sharing episodes with your reader friends and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or another podcatcher you found the show on. The show is also on social media at Low Angst Library if you'd like to spread the word. Until next time, keep reading. Keep reading.